Hi, it's Mal, the CEO of Multi. And I'm AJ, and I'm the Chief Scientific Officer at Multi. And this is Multimedia. Multi creates biomimetic, science-forward essentials that connect the dots between internal and external health. And this right here is the corner of our multiverse where we have conversations with people we think are cool in the wellness space, quite simply because we can. Also, really quick side note, AJ wasn't able to join in on this conversation, but she'll join us on the next one. And without further ado, here is our conversation with Kim Syra. Hello, everyone. Today we have Kim Syra. She's a queer Filipina healer and creative. As her bio on her Instagram states, your Asian support bestie, which I love. I've known you for a little while now and always have admired how authentically you you are which is a very very uh, great name which we'll touch on later but I've known you for a little while and just watching you being able to share your vulnerability and your healing journey in public has been so inspirational I know that that's no easy feat it's hard enough to do the healing let alone open up the public to witness all of that today we'll be talking about everything your journey your evolution being in the wellness space becoming a healer and so much more so I would like to start off with a little origin story of yours. Yay! Well, thank you so, so much. It is absolutely an honor to be here. It's absolutely an honor to talk with you. My origin story, I guess it doesn't start in America, right? It starts in the Philippines. Born in the Philippines, moved to Queens, lived in New York for most of my life. And then I went to college at Penn State, graduated, right after graduation, moved to LA. And that's pretty much the TLDR of me getting from the Philippines to here. But I guess the reason why people kind of know me is because of the activism work that I was doing in 2021. So I was doing a quite a bit of activism work in the Asian community space, especially on social media in 2021. From 2021, which is honestly a fever dream for me looking back, going into 2022, I decided that I really wanted to prioritize healing, especially in our Asian communities, because I was coming from such a place of anger. Like if I were to look back at my 2021, like stop Asian hate, Asian activism, screaming, protesting, it was just filled with so much rage and anger and just hate towards just like so many people um, that like white people, basically. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't, I genuinely for months couldn't leave my house in 2021. And so I knew that something needed to change. And so in 2022, I really prioritized what it meant to step into healing, which really took me back to my spiritual roots. So my mom is very much a mystic. It took me back to my Filipino roots of being very spiritual, like how I was growing up. I did a training with Mystic Saudi Simone to do somatic activated healing. And so now all of my community work is focused on what it means to heal and what it means to reclaim wellness as a person of color in a very white dominated wellness space. Wow. I hope that, whoa, I hope that was good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all I had to say in response to that was wow. So I think that yes. Wow. (laughs) But I love that you touch on the mysticism of, did you say your mom? You feel like your mom is a mystic? And I feel that so much too, because there are 
are healers in my lineage as well. And so I feel like, I don't know, it's just something that when you come to that part of your life, you're like, this is supposed to be a part of my life. And you're like, I need to do something in this. Like, it just feels right. And it feels like it's something that I have to transition into. Yeah, it's so true. Because so... I think Filipinos generally are very religious. And so in my journey, I differentiated what religion meant and what spirituality meant because they're two different Mm. things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my mom is very Catholic, but as I've gotten to know her over the past two years, I really honestly realized that this woman is genuinely like a spiritual. Spiritual, yes. And I've been able to like have really honest conversations with her about Jesus and about her perception of God and not get triggered by it because Mm -hmm. I'm not Catholic. Like my mom doesn't know that. Like I'm not Catholic (laughs) anymore, but my mom is. But there's so much nuance in what it means Mm -hmm. to claim your spirituality. And I feel like my relationship with her has improved as I've started to heal that Mm -hmm. me. So good. (laughs) I love, I love, love, love that you talk about that. One of my titas, one of my aunts went into a a 10 day trance in the Philippines and woke up. And this is where that sort of intertwining of Catholicism and spirituality, I feel like comes out because she's a healer and known as a healer in her community. But when she went into the trance, she said that she saw, I think it was Mother Mary and they told her that she was supposed to help heal people. And so when my other aunt told me that I was like oh that's so interesting because I'm like I'm pretty sure it wasn't Mother Mary but like I know it's some kind of spiritual awakening for her and I found it so fascinating and I was like I knew there were brujas in our lineage they're there (laughs) wow that is so amazing and it yeah yeah. it's so prominent in our cultures it's like such a huge thing but um Mm -hmm. yeah it was a trigger point for me for a really long time because I was like (laughs) (laughs) Does this mean I'm Catholic Catholic? And I realized like, no, that doesn't have to be what it means. Yeah. Um, yeah. And spirituality is so separate from institutional religion, especially institutional religion. But that's really, really incredible. Oh, I love, love, love you saying that. But you've evolved from creatively providing healing resources and content to now actually doing somatics and breath work. I was reading that you are also a breath worker. How did that transition happen from creating creative content and graphic design and sort of these visuals to then actually going into the practice of providing body work and breath work? Yeah. So going back to 2021, a lot of my activism work was pretty much on social media for two reasons why A, was terrified to leave my house because of Asian hate, but B, COVID. So Mm -hmm. the only way I could really show up for my community and the best way I could was through creating social media graphics and infographics took me so much to research, create, put it out there. But there is a part of me that was like, I want to do more. Like this is not giving. What does it mean to show up for community? And I'm going to touch on something that's very, very nuanced. So 2021 was the first time in a really long time where so many Asians all at once were being pedestaled by different corporations. This is like a social media company, Instagram, 2021 was the first time they did an AAPI campaign. They've never done it before. Yeah. So just to show you how this was really never a thing for Asians to be spotlighted in representation in this way until 2021. 
and I was getting offers so many of them every single month to talk about my Asian identity. Just being honest, sometimes I would pitch myself and I think Asians should be doing this regardless. Mm. I would pitch myself to companies because I felt like I deserved the representation and to Mm -hmm. include me in their usually mostly white dominated campaigns. But there was a point towards the end of the year where I felt like even that was superficial. I felt like I was just being used for my race and it felt kind of performative. Like no one was calling me out on this, but I was doing a lot of introspective work where I was asking myself, is this really how I want to show up for community? Just being like a pillar of representation because I represent X brand. The truth is that's definitely not how I want to go about my work. I try to take my work from social media and transport it to what this would look like in real life. Truthfully, the people who need the healing the most are people people who are not on social media. So that's basically why in 2022, I went on a giant retreat. I did a coaching thing. I went to a retreat. I did the inner work, got my certification. And then the minute I got the certification, I knew it wasn't for me. It was for community. The question is, how am I going to convince Asian communities in Los Angeles that they need sabbatic work? Mm. That bridge from being creative to now healer and how do I make that transition to not only my social media audience, but to like Los Angeles, to Asian people who've never heard somatic work before. So that's kind of the bridge that I'm crossing now. And I do so by hosting a lot of free events and I pitch myself to organizations and just being really faithful in the work because I know it works and I know this, it comes from thousands and thousands of Mm. old Eastern practices, like breathwork is not new, meditation is not new. Mm -hmm. Um, And just really trusting my mission. And I guess Mm. that's my guiding light. So (laughs) (laughs) well, that's so incredible, because I feel like as Asians, we're so inundated in a culture that doesn't prioritize joy doesn't prioritize rest. It's one in which we feel guilty for resting. It's one where we feel like we always need to be doing and we don't get to indulge in joy or feel happy because then we also feel guilt associated with joy, which I'm so confused about. But I feel like this is something that you always emphasize is this radical joy, this radical acceptance, this indulgence in the happiness. Can you touch on what the importance of all that is? Because it's really, really important for us. Yeah, you spoke on something very profound, which is the importance of reclaiming our joy, because Mm -hmm. the way that I see it is, as Filipinos specifically, our entire history has been fueled by colonization. Like Uh. we have (laughs) colonized like we've been nothing but colonized literally <laughs> like literally. okay four, 400 plus years of colonization yeah. and when i think of our ancestors being colonized i have this visceral picture of just like fetus like like a woman like lying in fetus i get those once in a while mm-hmm. and it reminds me about how recent this all is i mean like look at the philippines now we're still under this rule that isn't enough equitable. And so how does that translate to our 3D bodies now? Like, how does that translate to who we are now? And I think it comes in two different ways. One, people pleasing, guilt, feeling like you're a burden, feeling like you're not enough and feeling like you have to work and work and work to acquire some sort of affirmation for who you are. And I think at least what I believe we're here to do is completely unlearn that and completely Mm -hmm. return back to our roots, which is 
what if we are enough exactly as we are? And how do we, how do we take that and basically program that into our system? And so that's where the somatic work comes in. As much as I say, like joy is your birthright, mm-hmm. abundance is yours. We kind of get that intellectually, but many of us don't feel that on a day-to-day basis. So that's why the somatic work is basically that catalyst for taking those concepts and applying it to the body. Mm. Um, that makes sense. Oh yeah. For the, for anybody out there who's listening, who doesn't know what somatic work is, how would you describe it? So how I describe somatic itself is to be in the body. The Western model of care is amazing and it's beautiful, right? But the Western model of care is a very top-down approach, meaning we have to intellectualize all of our feelings, aka talk therapy. We have to talk our way into healing. In the Eastern cultures, in Eastern modalities that have lasted for centuries old, the way that they see healing is that it's a mind, body, and spiritual connection. So for example, if you're feeling anxious, how have you been eating, right? How have you been sleeping? What does your work look like? I mean, if you go to acupuncturists, they ask you questions about your stress levels, you know, before giving you like where the needles are going to go. And so I think really somatic work is just a component of those Eastern modalities because it's not that big of a thing in Western culture, I think. Meditation, breath work, ecstatic dance, yoga, those are all Eastern modalities. So I hope I answered the question. (laughs) I think you did. I think you did. The one thing that we always like to do when we're talking about things is just to break down some of these terms, because even in the wellness space, I feel like it's either very spiritual or very scientific. And I feel like both sides can lean really deeply into those spaces. And then it doesn't really leave too much room for accessibility for people who don't really understand either. And so they'll come into this and be like, okay, somatics, like, and then we continue talking about it. And they're kind of like, what, wait, hold on. What, what, what does that even mean? Like, what, what does that even mean to like, go to a somatic healing experience and things like that? What does that look like for you and your practices or your activations that you put on when it comes to somatics? So I'm certified in the somatic activated healing modality. So the SAW method, the somatic activated healing method is not mine. It's coined under Saudi Simone, mystic yogi artist. And it basically is a synergy that combines meditation, movement, mantra, and ecstatic dance. And so the four of these individually are their own modality. So Mm -hmm. you can go to a breathwork class. You can go to an ecstatic dance. You can go to a meditation class. In the SAW method, we combine the four. The effects, how that can help you, what people usually tell me is a feeling of lightness after doing it, a feeling of release. A lot of people cry during these sessions and I encourage them to cry. So that's what I am certified in. All in all, whenever I do somatic work, it really is just releasing just releasing emotional baggage that isn't serving the body anymore. Because when we aren't checking in on ourselves and doing that, it just piles up in our bodies. It just like literally piles on top of each other. So I use somatic work as like that mental checkpoint, you know, to reassess where we're at and to see what we can release. 
Um, I mean, somatics and just movement of body, I feel like is so important, even in reading about how much trauma is stored in our bodies. And you kind of touched on this earlier about how the past generations of trauma are still stored in our own bodies. And it's funny, you mentioned your womb experience, because that is the literal experience that I felt when I did ayahuasca on the second night that I had done it. And I was in my mom's womb. Um, and so you mentioning that I'm like, oh my God, that gives me shivers and makes me think about that moment because it was that, but it was the trauma that I felt in that space. Yeah. And that was what I guess just reiterated to me, like how much I do store subconsciously in my own body and my own mind from past traumatic experiences of people in my lineage. So I was very, very aligned with that experience. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was pretty intense, but in terms of movement, I think that that's something that's so important. It's something that I I just love to see you talk about and hear you talk about and also you being a woman of color in the wellness space and talking about movement. I think it's so important because one, wellness is is thought of to be thin, white, cis, het, and all about just this aspirational vision of what quote unquote wellness is. But I think that it's so much more different than that. And it does include all of us. It includes people with brown skin. It includes people who aren't super, super thin. It includes queer folks. Like it includes all of us. And so just to talk about you taking up space in the wellness industry, how important do you think that is? And what does that mean to you? To what you said, wellness is for everyone. The question is, why are we not seeing that? Mm, <laughs> no, period. Um, period. <laughs> like, why are we not seeing that wellness is for everyone, even though we all know it? Mm. And someone had put this into perspective for me, which is the wellness industry, especially the wellness industry when it's combined with spirituality, mm. is like a million dollar market. It is the market. Um, and the sad thing about that is that it's dominated by white people with privilege and mm. power, and it doesn't become equitable for all of us. I'll give you first an example of how inequitable the wellness space is. So whenever I was certified in somatic activated healing, I would go into Asian communities. I would ask, you know, can I do a somatic activation for you? And no one knew what somatic even meant. They were like, Kim, what the heck does that mean? Even though it literally derives from our own cultures. Exactly. They didn't know what it meant. And so I would go to here in Venice. I live in um, like the Venice area. I would go into West LA, mostly white yoga spaces. And I would tell them, can I do somatic work for you? And they would say, oh my God, we've been looking for a somatic teacher I've been, I love somatic work. It's helped heal me so much. Oh. <laughs> since last year. And I think this just goes to show how inequitable the space is, like this alone. And so when I say wellness is for everyone, wellness is for everyone. The question is, why are we not being seen? Mm. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I answered your question with a question. <laughs> That is my question too. I mean, that's a part of a reason why that even us as a brand exists. And AJ and I talk a lot about this too, about how so much of wellness is rooted in our cultures. Like if you go back into the history of so many of these healing practices, they belong to us. And so it's, it's such a fucked up thing to think that so much of it is dominated and appropriated and capitalized 
white folks and people who it's not even a part of their history. And so in a sense, us being in the wellness space is us or us feeling like we are reclaiming the wellness space and saying that this is a space for us. We deserve wellness. Of all people, we deserve wellness and we deserve to feel good. The reason why I don't know, I don't know, but we're here to change that. You even in telling that story is so, it just makes me cringe because I'm just like, we deserve to know these practices. We deserve to be able to practice these practices and to just be able to have that rest and that healing. But here we are to change that. Let's we're just go with that. <laughs> So I did hear you talk about in something else that you were in oneness and the importance of oneness just in general. But I had a question of how oneness and wellness, how do you feel like those two align? So when I think of oneness, I think of the very esoteric, spiritual, very that definition, which Mm -hmm. really is that at the base of our being we're all interconnected and we're all pretty much the same. In this 3D reality, we are manifested into different living beings. So we have humans, we have nature, we have animals. But when I think of oneness, I think of how interconnected we all are. And so, and I think of Buddhist lens, which is karma. My action will affect somebody else. And then when I think of wellness, For some reason, wellness really has been capitalized, appropriated, colonized. But I think tying oneness and wellness together, honestly, just really, to me, means that we deserve to be well. We deserve to live a life that fuels this abundance. And so I will mention this. In Buddhism, there is the four qualities of the heart. And that's loving kindness, joy, equanimity, and kindness or something. There's four qualities of the heart. And the belief is that at the base of our being, we all have these four qualities. And so these four qualities to me mean wellness. It means that at the base of my being, I really am abundant. And so that when I think of that and being interconnected with everyone else, it means how can I see those four qualities in another human being, right? How can I see those four qualities in a person that triggers the F out of me, right? How do I see those four qualities in people I compare myself to? Mm -hmm. And I think when we can see those four qualities, we can touch into that interconnectedness and into that oneness. What I really see with people though, and this is a very normal thing we do because of capitalism is compare ourselves. Social media tells us we have to be a certain someone to be valid Social Mm -hmm. media tells us we have to have the amount of followers to be valid, right? Mm -hmm. But when we can see past that, we tune into that oneness. Yeah. Yes. If you're asking, is that good? Yes, that is good. (laughs) I'm like, yes, that is great. I'm just like, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm." because I just feel like there's so much, especially on social, especially with capitalism, so much of it that it just it all combines into so much toxicity and also so much self-doubt, so much internal self-shame that it is hard to cope. People will do detoxes off of social media and feel so much better. But then we live in the world where it's inevitable you will cross paths with one of those things and you'll eventually have to come to them in some way, shape or form. And so it's like, how do we cope and how do we build up tools and how do we learn things that'll help us just have a 
healthier relationship with those because you cannot escape them literally unless you are somewhere living off the grid and completely away from all of society. And so it's like, how do we coexist with all of these things that make us feel so low sometimes. I think that that is where a lot of healing practices and just all these things that you're talking about come in handy and come to such huge importance because we have to coexist with all these things as we have to coexist with people who we don't agree with or who we, you know, we don't see eye to eye with. And so I think that all of these things that you're doing are just so important. I saw you do a post on glimmers and I wanted you to talk about what glimmers are. Yeah. So glimmers, the word wasn't coined by me. It was coined by a therapist or a clinical social worker, Deb Dana. And basically the long story short is that glimmers are moments in your day-to-day life where you can experience a moment of awe or like a moment of, oh my God, like I am living life right now, you know, a moment of joy. Right. And so I try to look for glimmers on a day-to-day basis. And what I would tell people, especially the people I work with, is if you can take a journal and you don't have to journal, but just write down what you're grateful for every day at the end of your day, maybe one to three things. So that way you're taking the glimmers from your day and actually integrating it into practice by journaling. Yeah, I love glimmers. I think it allows us to see the paradox of life meaning the pain and the suffering that life unfortunately holds. And also the moments of, ah, like life is lifing right now, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Life is lifing. It's so true, though. I mean, we even touched earlier on the this sort of resistance to feeling joy. And I feel like that's something even personally that I have issues with. Like, I feel like I can't allow myself to fully feel joyful in moments, especially when I was just not feeling that way. And I'm like, okay, how can I release that and let myself feel joy? But I feel like we all deserve to feel those things and to indulge in them and not feel too, too cool to like be happy or you know to too cool to like laugh about things or have joy we all deserve to feel all of those things so I love that I remember just seeing that post and I'm like glimmers what a cute name too for yeah. the- it's so self-explanatory though I'm like glimmer like special. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so it's super cute we'll talk about before we have to wrap talk about authentically you so th- these are new offerings that you have talk about those and tell us a little bit more about authentically you yeah So authentically you, I like to tell people how it was coined. So basically when 2021 was filled with um, Asian hate and a lot of virtual Asian community circles, I would attend a lot of them. And there was one thing that I noticed throughout almost every single community circle. And it was Asian women who were coming into the fact that, oh my God, like I'm Asian. What does it mean to be Asian? right? That question. And there were these rumblings of, I'm an Asian woman, maybe in my 30s, maybe in my late 20s, maybe in my 40s. And I have a husband. I'm financially stable. I have kids. I have a 401k. I have a nine to five job. My parents are retired, right? They basically did what they had to do. What our parents told us would keep us safe, right? And well, but they were so unhappy. They would be like, oh my God, I feel like I don't know my purpose. You know, I I don't know what my purpose is. I don't have work-life balance because I don't 
know what's what goes beyond my my job or what goes beyond my college degree. And I thought that was really interesting because it shows a lens into our culture. It basically is I sh- saw that as like a mirror into all of the things that we don't really talk about within our Asian cultures that we probably should talk about a little bit more. And so that basically birthed Authentically You. So Authentically You, we're on our third round, which is freaking crazy. Um, I've been doing this since early last year. And so what it is, is a group of Asian women and femmes, and we get together weekly to explore what healing looks like from our very specific lens. So we talk about people pleasing, we talk about unlearning the capitalistic lens. If you're Filipino, we talk about the kapwa, which means community, Mm -hmm. but separating ourselves from that to find who we are as individuals. A lot of my clients are creatives or people who work in nonprofits Mm -hmm. or people who are like moms and trying to build a side hustle. Those are the people I kind of attract. And so starting last year, we have three or four Asian guest holistic practitioners who come into the space and give us like exclusive private sessions as well. Wow. So last session, we had a breathwork coach. We do like EFT tapping. We had a rest journey. And so also bringing back our practices into the, into the group is kind of the space as well. And so we're doing the third round now. And I see this continuing as years go by. And I always tell myself, yeah, like, I want this to meet my basic needs, right? Because I know that financial trauma is a very big thing for Asian people. I used to feel really bad about charging for it. But at the same time, as you deserve to get your basic needs met, I deserve to be to get my basic mm-hmm. needs met. And in our capitalist society, where we put our money is what matters. So that's why we need to support wellness brands that are owned by people of color. And we need to put our money into, into those things, not just talk about it. Like we need to put our money into BIPOC coaches or BIPOC wellness practitioners because mm-hmm. where our money is put is where that kind of matters in our capitalistic society. Mm-hmm. So. And I love that you touch on that too, because I feel like in this capitalist society, it is very easy to be continuously angry about it and angry at it. And inevitably, it's another thing, almost like the digital space and social media, you can't escape it again, unless you are completely off the grid. So in that way, I always think about it and how we can be more intentional and responsible in how we distribute what it is that we have to the people around us, because other people don't think about putting money into their communities or, you know, supporting people who are doing really good work. And so the more that we think about it in that way, I feel like we'll all grow together, especially with things like these, with healing, with with everything, with growing businesses, anything in that way. I feel like supporting good people is always something that does pay off in the end and does come back to you in the end. And I feel like that's just something that we'll have to realize. And it is a privilege to I would say indulge in wellness, which is so sad. The fact of the matter is, is that it does cost money for a lot of these things. And it is, it is really sad because it is our communities that need it the most. But the more that we can try to support our communities, the more we can build further resources, I feel, for our communities. So yeah, it's, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it's a whole thing, but yeah. you know, I'm so honored to be in the space with you at Multi because I think you're really defining what that looks like. I see it as like, oh my God, the word is coming to my mind, but I don't want to lose it. It's like trailblazing the way mm-hmm. alongside other brands that are owned by people of color to show us that we belong in these spaces. So mm. thank you for the work that you do, because it really is more than just the product or more than just like the somatic healing. It's us showing up in this way against all odds. So mm. like kudos to you because we're, we're out here. Kudos to you. Kudos to you for taking up space, for for being there, for being present, to being so authentically you. (laughs) (laughs) I want to close with a few questions. How do you take care of yourself? Because giving to others and providing healing is exhausting. I think people not necessarily negate that, but I think that a lot of people don't acknowledge that, that healers really give, activists really give. People out there who are doing the work every day, it is exhausting and they deserve all the flowers. So how do you give yourself rest and care? Yeah, so um, I'll just speak into what I do in my job. So I don't work on Fridays. I've tried really hard to make sure that doesn't happen. And I'm very lucky to be in a position that I do work on my own business. But yeah, I don't work Fridays. And the second thing is I'm not afraid to indulge in wellness things. I don't see it as like a luxury. It's kind of a reframing I've done. I do like where I go to these yoga spaces or flotation therapy acupuncture, I will do those things. And I'll, and I'll try to budget for them because I genuinely do not see them as a luxury. I see them as a necessity. When I was able to reframe that, I don't go into these spaces thinking, oh, like I've done such a hard week at work. So I deserve this. I go in there on a Tuesday at 12 PM because just in my position. And I say, yeah, I literally need this because if I don't have this, I can't show up for community. I think a lot of the work for me is was a reframing like reframing things so that's just things i do i love that reframing though i think that that's something that a lot of us need to do and that it's not a reward for hard work it's that you deserve to have this period you even without that work you deserve to have this yeah (laughs) okay a couple of clothing questions here what does wellness mean to you Mm -hmm. internally first and what does it mean to you externally wellness internally to me in my personal ethos means being able to see past the pain that life does hold and still being able to touch what's inside my heart which is true abundance so for me wellness isn't just about feeling good and feeling like light all the time. Wellness to me means being able to look at my darkness and still seeing the paradox, which is that I am meant to be here for a purpose, like for for a reason. And wellness externally, it means to be equitable. When I think of wellness externally, I think of community care. I think of equitability. I think of just making sure that people get their basic needs met. And I also think of putting myself first. So doing the skincare routine when I don't fucking feel like it. (laughs) All that. (laughs) It's a little things. The little things do matter. And they do compound. They do compound. What do you think is missing in the wellness space? You're like the list can go on and on, but just (laughs) let me just give a few. (laughs) 
I think the number one thing that is definitely missing in the wellness space is resources and money for BIPOC healers, BIPOC people who have things that they want to put out in the world, just money and resources for us to do that period. Like, Mm. and I think that the more people who look like us are doing this work, the more that can inspire other people to start looking into their communities to start seeing like how they can do the work. You know, I, I like to say this about, about race on a very esoteric spiritual level. We're all spiritual, like we're all souls, but we are living in the 3d reality where race is very real systemic inequality is very real and we are feeling the repercussions of race so oh my god that was like a whole thing i needed to say that but i forgot the reason why (laughs) (laughs) Um, i don't even know the question that you asked but what's missing what's missing in the wellness space presentation (laughs) like we'll get there eventually we got there we got there there. Point blank, period. There we go. (laughs) What does well-being mean to you? Wow. So the answer that came up in my head, and this is just, I guess, where I'm at, the definition is definitely going to change maybe later today. Well-being is giving myself the time every single day to do a practice for myself, whether that is the skincare routine, whether that is working out, just things that really allow me it's like it's like oiling a car like you need to do that sometimes you need to do that routinely so that the car keeps running so when I think of well-being I think of those practices that allow me to keep showing up and it's the little habits that's something that we as a team have been working on is just the little habits because it's just one thing at a time I think so many people try to add on like 20 different habits every single day and that's not sustainable start with the small one meditate for two minutes one minute five seconds first every single day and build up from there those little things i align with that deeply and okay last question what makes you feel good what makes me feel good is when i can lead with vulnerability so when i say that it means being able to reach out to someone even when i'm feeling crunchy or I basically woke up 10 minutes ago to do this, basically. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, like I should do my hair. I should like dress like not in my pajamas. And then I was like, well, F that. What really matters is what comes out of my mouth. So that to me is what it means to lead with vulnerability. And I think when I'm in that space, then I'm I'm like in my fullest expression. Well, I think that you do that a lot. And like I said earlier, that's something that I really admire you for. I mean, just literally watching you go through your stuff and just be so vulnerable and letting people into that is something that not a lot of people can do. And it's something that is very, very personal. So every time I see you sharing like your whole of last your entirety of your last year and all the things that you've embarked on, it's so, so inspirational. So thank you for sharing that and for putting that out there and showing up and being a beautiful Filipina out there doing the healing work. I mean, from a Filipina to Filipina, I love seeing that. And thank you so much for doing that because it's it's truly like one of the best things to witness. Thanks so much, y'all, for listening and stay tuned for our next episode. Make sure to subscribe to the pod for more convos with cool people and make sure to check out Multi on all platforms. And that is at My Daily Multi, everywhere you can find us. <laughs>